0: I think now that uh, you've got something like Strava, as you said, you're no longer a pro cyclist. You don't have Kev watching over every movement. And it's kind of – it almost uh, keeps you accountable, I think. Like if you're uploading a Strava, people get to say, oh, yeah, Mitch is keeping fit or like mm. you're out for a run. All of a sudden, in the back of your mind, you're going, hang on, there's people following me. I wonder – I don't really want to just like dawdle around. You still have a bit of pride about you. You've been a pro for – 10, 15 years or whatever it is, like you still have a bit of uh, stubbornness about you and want to uh, Mm. show that you're still a strong rider or strong runner when you're out for a run. And I think this is almost a thing to keep you accountable, keeps you linked up with your mates because someone will see it and might comment on it or go, that's a great loop. I'm going to go try that because Mitch went and wrote it and it's almost a a way of connecting with people and uh, probably is a little bit like the the Rafa Clubhouse stuff that uh, Mm. you've often spoken about. It's almost like having a community no matter where you go that if you go overseas and go ride your bike, you can link up with a local group, see where they leave from, see where they go, meet new friends. Like, there's a lot of social parts about it as well, not just mm. the, uh, the competitive side of Strava.
1: Well, that's a little snippet from last week's episode that i did talking about strava i chatted with three guys to understand what is this thing strava something that i've become very accustomed to now as a non-pro and i know everyone out there was listening to me going yeah we know about it but i thought it was interesting to go and chat about it i spoke with mark o'brien who you just heard now who is a guy who has used Strava as a coach, as an athlete, and also as a guy riding to work. I spoke to Jay Vine, who's used it to become professional, and a guy who's already been pro and has gone back and rediscovered it as well, George Bennett. Those three angles, that's what we discovered in last week's episode. This week, I've got you Mark O'Brien to talk a bit aloft, and I love talking to Marco. He's a guy that I've known throughout my whole cycling career, and it was great to talk to him he's a fan of the podcast so he knew all the questions but i wanted to hear his style tips as well a guy who has been pro has raced for a long time and has been now transitioned into a dad a guy who's riding to work commuting as well it's a really good one just to hear that angle on talking luft a little bit different to what we're used to of course this episode is brought to you by rafa our major sponsor and a little bit about rafa Rafa was founded by Simon Mottram back in 2004 where he saw a gap in the market to reinvent the wheel and make stylish cycling clothing. And I think he's hit the nail on the head from day one. I've had the chance to wear it as a pro as well. And now as a non-pro, I get to try all their different styles. I think they get it right in terms of that larry out there stuff. But also that more controlled, smart looking kit as well. You know what I'm talking about. I first hand know what it feels like know what it looks like as well. I'm loving working with them this year, not only wearing their kit, but especially working with them on the podcast. Speaking of kit, speaking of Talking Loft. well guys, the caps are back in stock. I'm talking about the Life and the Peloton caps, the traditional cap, our very first cap, it's back in stock. The Talking Loft cap is back in stock. We're fully loaded. Head across to our Etsy shop, that's lifeinthepeloton.com. If you listen to Talking Luft, it's criminal not to have one of those hats on while you're listening. That's an order. Get across to the shop, lifeinthepeloton.com, and grab yourself one of our hats. They're back in stock. And guys, look, I'm not going to go anymore. Let's sit back and enjoy Talking Luft with Mark O'Brien. Welcome to Talking Law. Before we even start, tell me about what we've just drunk. Mate, it was
0: phenomenal. It was, through years and years and years of development, the Orval from 2015. I believe you can uh, tell us about the origins and how it got here at the Iron Bar in Rosanna.
1: Melbourne, Rosanna, exactly. We're sitting at the infamous Iron Bar at my mum and dad's house. If anyone listening to this is close friends to the Docker family, they'll know what we're talking about. The Orval that we're drinking, I've got two of them here. This is a case that I got for Avalval back when I was in Green Edge, and a you know, long story short, I couldn't get it back to Girona. So I left it at a friend of mine's house, a Belgian friend of mine, Bert DeBacca, he's been on the podcast and had aged there for three years until I joined EF in 2018. And then their bus drives back to Girona because that's where the service course is. So I slipped it into the bus, took it back to Girona. And if anyone knows the podcast that last year when I was leaving Girona, Durbo and I were recording a podcast the night before he flew out and we were just chugging these down, these old age or valves, because I was like, well, I'm, I'm running out of days to drink them. I kept two, I put them in my suitcase, I brought them back. And here we are, we're drinking the second last one with you, Marco. It's pretty uh, pretty bloody amazing, mate. It's it is actually beer. lovely, isn't
0: it? This is uh, yeah, nearly as good as my old man telling me his uh, story about having grange in the 1970s and drinking two with his mate Robbo at a barbecue once. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to look back on this and like, you remember we just had like that 2015 or Val that ran at the Iron Bar? Well, be- this
1: I think that's how you got to drink <laughs> them, you know, because, you know, you hang on to them, good wines, good beers, you hang on to them forever in a day and you end up just drinking three or four of them in a night because you're trying to, you know, get through them before they go off or whatever it is. It is a Tuesday, mate. (laughs) (laughs) It is. Time better. (laughs) Let's do it. Talking Luft, 2022 Talking Luft. So the way it works now is I've got four topics, style, bikes, culture, and about you. I'm sure you know it because you're an avid listener. Let's start. Caps, caskets, capolinos, mini cycling caps. Marco, what is your style when you don't wear a helmet?
0: Well, um, I've got a solid pinhead on me. Ooh, actually oh I, that's uh, good perfect yeah well um i uh been watching cycling since the early 90s mate mm-hmm. so i am very well versed in the in Durain, the beyond race um but i'd say for years and years no matter what i used to run a cap you know like road race cap track race cap indoor track race cap you did yeah, too actually yeah, yeah, yeah loved loved the little capolino and uh but under the helmet it would obviously be flush against the uh the noggin but um Outside of that, I would, if I was just wearing around casually, I'd uh, just run straight up, straight forward, brim down and a good amount of lift. But actually something George said um, in your Tour de France uh, thing where I actually get a little bit of a headache. Oh, my gosh. I've never heard of this. mm, Yeah, so I actually uh, cop that every now and then. I push through that. You know, if you get a good bit of lift,
1: that's that's how you got to wear it. Perfect. Well, let's talk about it then. Without a helmet, back in the day... What would you have solved been back in the 90s if you could have raced back then and maybe you cheekily did it out in the old Hurstbridge Hills there, you know, dodging the police. What would your style have been without a helmet?
0: I see VIS camps with Debo used to do it. You'd get to the bottom of, uh, you know, Falls Creek and uh, put your helmet in the car and uh, he'd take it to the top for you. I would run probably just uh, the straight big mig. I do love a headband and uh, I think in summer I would have dabbled with the taffy. Mm. Um, yeah, the cut off uh, capolino, and then so just having that, so you still got the sun protection from the little brim. But yeah, I reckon I'd go for either the the taffy or the just straight up um, big mig look, a bit of loft and uh, brim down, mm. ready to go. Well,
1: you've got actually a quite a thick lock of hair there. I think it could you know fit underneath the helmet quite nicely. Do you still shave your legs?
0: Yeah, yeah, mate. I uh, I couldn't imagine going going back. I've done it since I was. What fourteen or so? It's basically when I got
1: hair on my legs, I reckon, and I've uh, <laughs> never known any different. What's the consistency? What are you sort of looking at? You every Friday night, you go, you book uh, yourself into the shower, and you know, yeah, get onto it.
0: Something like that. Yeah, I reckon about every week. I reckon I'd uh, I've never let it. I actually had plans this winter. I was like, you know what? I'm going to let it grow out cracked after about a week and a half. I was just like, (laughs) it's just irritating me. So, uh, yeah, I think its you'd love to say it's for the the massage or for when you crash, which I, I haven't had either of those in quite some time. So, it's pure vanity, to be honest. Yeah, I just prefer it.
1: Do you wear X Pro kit or do you like to wear that the new wave sort of, you know, stealth black stuff? You know, what's your what's your style?
0: Um, well, I'm still um, racing with the Inform Guys, mm. so I have my Inform kit on. But uh, in between that, when I went from uh, racing to back to joining uh, the Inform TMX mate Guys, I was wearing uh, Pro kit. Mm. I think I had some EF. I have. Uh, Sunweb, I have a bit of everything. Might even pull out, um, yeah, something old school like the MAPA or something like that. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, next year when I won't be racing uh, a whole heap, doing dad life things. I'll be definitely running uh pro kit. I think mm. it's – I've got a lot of mates that are still over there racing, whether it's a uh, – yeah, Chris Hamilton or – you we know, have had yourself and uh, Ben Perrys with Astana. And so I got a bit of World Tour kit from everyone and uh, it's almost like cheering my mates on as well. I, actually, I love that. And fully yeah.
1: embracing the old pro kit. Like it doesn't happen that much anymore. That's why this question's here and I think there's a need... For more ex pro kit to be worn out there in it, good style.
0: Yeah, it's a weird one. Like, if you look at uh, Australia, AFL, where you, uh, no one has ever gone out and made a custom AFL singlet, mm. and still you your bombers and you pies and everything else. So everyone has their the team they support. Just doesn't have it enough in cycling. I think you go through a phase that, as a young kid, you uh, start out, you want all the pro kicks, you look up to them. Then you get a bit too cool and you want to run, like, show that you're sponsored, whether it's by the, you know, Ivanhoe Cycles, or whoever it is, and you want to show that you're good enough to get sponsored. And then now I've come back full circle back to the other side, and yeah, I've got you know some uh, jumbo kit from Harper or someone like that that you can mm. uh, you, you sort of feel like you're supporting your mates. Cause I, I love it, I love that I've got uh, buddies over there, and I've always watched cycling. So um, for me, I get super proud seeing my mates racing, and then uh, it's really high quality kits. You'd be mad if you didn't.
1: Well, you're in a lucky situation. Let's talk about bikes. RMG, road bike, mountain bike or gravel bike? One bike forever. What is it, Marco? I think it's still road. I've, mm. uh,
0: I haven't i have done much mountain biking. I went to Derby and Tassie a couple of years ago and ended up in a bush after about five minutes with my mates. But uh, gravel, I dabble a fair bit on. There's a fair few nice gravel roads going out to Kingers or um, yeah, I did my CX debut on the weekend. But mm. I think... Road bike still wins out for me. You can go as far as you want, does everything. Um, You can ride gravel roads, which is fine with some bigger tyres, and most of them have clearance of, whatever, 32, 33 now. So I think uh, road bike still for the win. Social bunch or hour of power? (laughs) Arab, <laughs> you know I mean? yeah, yeah, whether it's whiff race or like, yeah, I thought
1: you were a social bunch, man. Like, you like getting your groups together and doing your rides together, but it, like when you do do those rides, it's full gas, is it? Yeah, it's like uh, pulling teeth for me. If I have
0: to do a, a cruisy easy ride on the wheel, mate, I get anxiety just uh, sitting there on the wheel, just, <laughs> just counting the TSS. I'm not getting It's just, uh, yeah, I'm all about going hard, and I've got a bunch of mates that train very similar to me, so we have a, a really fun group, love riding with the guys, but we all push on and uh, often have a good chop-off through a segment or whatever it may be, but work hard, eat something tasty on the way and then uh, come come back hard uh,
1: back home. Well, good segue. You said segment there. Do you have a Strava account?
0: Oh, yes, I do. Yes. Do you hunt
1: comms? I do. Yeah. I do, in
0: fact, yes. It's a point of pride around uh, these parts.
1: Well, I knew that. I knew it. Gonna, we already know that already from last week. Favourite training loop of all time? Explain the loop because people are going to know it out there. That one loop that you just go, you are. This is a loop. If anyone comes here, they should do it. I actually think, in terms of
0: pure being a nice ride, it's the giro della Donna loop, which is different to probably my favourite or most used loop. So both, I'd say, the giro della Donna. You leave from Warburton, you head out, you go up the Reefton Spur, which is pretty amazing. I'd prefer to turn right, head up to the top of Lake Mountain, and back down, which obviously a Grand Fondo can't do because you'll have head-ons and whatever else. Um, you go back down into Marysville, Along, go to Acheron Way, which takes you through a beautiful dirt road for about 15 k mm. and then up to the top of uh, Mount Donabue Wang, which is a fantastic climb, really ferny and really nice. But um,
1: And then descend back down to Warburton. Yeah, back to Warburton. How long is day. that loop? Uh,
0: if you do the Lake Mountain extension, it's basically a five-hour loop. Like if you
1: don't you do Lake Mountain?
0: Uh, about 420, thereabouts. Mm. Yeah, How many kilometres? think yeah, it it's a
1: pretty tough loop, but yeah. because it's so picturesque, you don't notice how tough it is, do you?
0: No, that's right. But I'd say my favourite and most go-to loop, particularly in summer, is straight from home. Wait, wait. Uh, you're doing oh, two no, loops oh, there. No, i say... Actually, this is my favourite. say the most beautiful that people should go look is the Girardelle or uh, whereas this one i I said, say, what's
1: your favourite loop? Not this, this, the this this most one picturesque. Because there's a good okay. reason
0: for it. It's the uh, the Hillsville loop from uh, where we are now in the north suburbs of Melbourne. Head out through Mount Pleasant Road in Eltham and then... Uh, are you wife. just
1: stealing my loop? This was my loop already from I've, a podcast I've, a few I've, weeks I've ago. I've betted it, mate. Yeah. I've betted it. Uh, okay. Yeah,
0: yeah. Because we go up King Lake, of course, and then uh, across uh, down Myers Creek Road. Uh, if you're lucky, and I can convince the boys, we'll go back up Myers Creek, get an extra climbing because that's the kind of person I am. But um, go down, get a muffin at uh, Habitual Cafe there, which is the raspberry white chocolate muffin is worth going <laughs> that far just for that. Although price gouging, mate. It's got expensive. But then from there, come back on back Old Hillswell Road past the uh, uh, the chocolatier.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's quite
0: nice. It's quite lumpy. Um, and then through Yarrow Glen, and then you take a right mm. and go up Mount Wise Road, which is a horrible climb, but uh, at least it's pretty quiet. And then across Butterman's Track. Uh, once you get back to St. Andrews, you then turn onto School Road and then follow the back roads in from there. Yeah, so you get about 3,000 metres of climbing for it. You get a delicious muffin along the way, and then every now and then we're finished with a, a couple of beers at my house.
1: Wow. Yeah, it is a nice little um, addition to the loop because those roads you were explaining out from Yarra Glen weren't paved back in the day. No, it's beautiful
0: now. They've so, done a good job.
1: Time tells. Rider comes towards you. Are you a wave person? A simple nod, gesture? What is your action or are you a simple snub? What's your, you know, you're heading out there. You know. Now, let's just say Mount P, Mount Pleasant used to be just like, me and one other guy now it's like essentially the new beach road it's the busiest road in melbourne what happens when you ride along that road so
0: coming from horsham tiny town i uh, might see someone every few weeks when i'm out riding i would basically do a choreographed dance i'd put on that much of a performance to wave to someone coming to melbourne broke my soul a little bit going down beach road and uh, i literally waved every single person i was basically an overuse of the shoulder but uh, get nothing back um so that changed a bit on beach road mm. still out north Um, particularly in like Mount Pleasant Road or King Lake. I wave, give a good solid wave to everybody. Uh, If it's a mate that I can see in the distance, they get a bit more than just a a wave. But um, I definitely uh, say good day to people. I'm a country boy and very polite, Mitch.
1: Your best bike of all time. What's that one bike that you think about over all the times you're like, you know what, it's probably not as fast as the bikes now or could be. Could be one right now. What is that bike? Um. There's nothing that can, in my opinion,
0: can actually beat the uh, S-Works SL7 that's out now. Mm. Got good clearance. Specialized. Yeah, yeah. specialized. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's just, they're stupidly fast. They're light. They do everything. You can put, I think uh, RAF was running about 33 tires on there. So, you can still go off-road a bit. Still have Mm. a bit of fun. But, like, they're just so much faster and they're still comfortable and uh yeah there's just you can't fault them really mate like there's bikes from when we we're growing up that you just idolize like the old pinarellos or like the colonago c30s or the map a ones those things are just like you look at them amazing like i always dreamed of having one of those but you just can't compare to what we've got now they're just so damn good the bikes that you get these days and the uh is by far the best thing i've ever ridden all right well let's move into culture favorite race Nationals. Nationals. (laughs) Australian nationals. (laughs) Well, I haven't done any European nationals, to be fair, mate. It's got to be your favourite race. (laughs) No, in terms of racing it myself, uh, yeah, nationals. I love it. It's really fun. Um, As someone that I had aspirations to make it World Tour, I never did. It's a chance for me to go and rub shoulders with guys that Mm. originally that I looked up to. Like, you know, you had Robbie, Gero, Cadell, Mm. those guys there. And then it turned into guys like our age, our year. And now, like, I have younger guys that I'm still chummy Mm. with. And it's still fun to just... you know have a bit of a laugh I don't go in there like I want to do well but also I appreciate like how good these guys actually are they might not be their best in January but it's a really amazing opportunity for guys to show themselves against the top level guys I have no plans to go any further than what I'm doing but it's still fun every year to get up and about in terms of watching which I love doing I think Flanders I think Flanders is uh, probably my favorite one I did a mm. lot of riding over there in Belgium um, even when I was DSing with Drapak and every day I'd go out and do the the red loop flanders loop yes yeah. yeah, so like i can basically be eyes closed going through the the loops that people are doing there like when i watch you guys race and i'm just uh, yeah loving them. like left here right here up timeberg down here yeah so it's uh yeah i'd say that's uh that's my favorite race to watch
1: favorite rider of all time
0: uh, Lance, yeah, I know he's yeah. come a few times. I think went from Big Mig into Pantani and then after about 2,000, superseded by Lance. Mm. Um, I was uh, very much on the thought process that all these dopers around him and he could just train so hard and eat so well that he could beat them all because he's the best. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, no, that's not the case, but also like he was, uh, yeah, they were doing the same thing at the time and I think he was still a worker and just like, I think got a lot of people interested. But then... Yeah, so I'd say like of all time, I'd say it'd be Lance'
1: favorite rider right now.
0: Jesus, it's tough, isn't it? Like, there's uh that whole mix of Vanderpool, Van Aert, Podjukar, all these sort of guys are just uh so good to watch. And like what Van Aert's just done in the Tour de France as well. Like it's a uh, it's a really tough one. I'd probably still say Vanderpool. I love the unpredictability mm. of the way he races.
1: The funny thing is, I remember when uh, I was speaking to Heinrich Kalscheur, and he had a bit of a different opinion between Vanderpool and Van Aert. You know, it's like. I thought you know Van Art was the was the cool guy you know the really you know welcoming guy but it was quite the opposite so it's interesting that yeah well I think Car probably just won a whole
0: heap of hearts the way he raced the tour like not being as on the same level I guess it's Vinger Guard or he was, but also having to waste a lot more energy. So I think the way that he just kept fighting every day, it made it just like the most entertaining tour I've seen in so long. Um so I think Podge is well and truly up there, but uh for the sake of the argument I'll say Vanderpool for for mm. this. Okay.
1: Favourite kitten team. Now it could be the the best kid out there, but you don't like the roster or could be the combination of both. I think you know how I explain this question. Yeah. Um
0: once again, it's a really tough one. I think uh, it's too hard to go past the, uh, the Map A kit. Mm. I think favorite team would actually. I did love the the whole U.S. Postal setup. Oh. Yeah, Yeah, loved it when they, they were going and you'd have uh, uh, the guys coming into Beltran and then uh, Roberto Harass taking over and lighting it up for Lance and only maybe by flapping on his wheel before he actually went for it. He got I, Ekimov it, on the flats yeah, beforehand. Yeah, yeah. Big George, everyone rolling along. I think like that and in my head at the time being a young, impressionable uh, boy, I was looking at going, these guys, they go to training camps, they do this, do that, and if I work really hard then I can get to their level. <laughs> no matter if everyone else wants to dope, if you work hard enough, you can still do it.
1: <laughs> All right, war story, Marco. You've probably got one of them tucked away. What's one of those stories, one of those days? What is it? Can I give you two? <laughs> All right, go.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'd say uh, I've got a training and a racing one. I reckon the training one was uh, my coach used to be Timmy Decker now, mm-hmm. or national coach of China now. Um, but yeah, Tim, on my birthday, I happened to be in the Alps and he said, oh, just you got Melbourne and Warrnambool coming up. Just go and do a long ride, mate. And I was like, you beauty. So, I headed out, gone out from where uh, we're staying in St. Jean de Maurienne come along, turned and I'm going oh, the cold to telegraph. I know that from TV. And then I've gone up a bit further and it's like, oh, Galibia, great. Up and over that. Start riding along towards Alp Duez, see a turn to Les, Les Dues Alps. And I was like, ah, oh, I remember Pantani went up there in '98. I better go oh, no. look at that. Zung up there, come back down, turn, oh, Alp Duez. They have to do Alp Duez. Oh my God. Come back down. I'm like, oh, all right, I'm going to head home now. I'm pretty pretty nailed. And then um, look at the only ways to get home is either back over Galibier or colder Glandon <laughs> and the Quadifer. <Croix> <laughs> I'll hit the base of uh, the Glandon and, mate, I'm like cramping in my hammies. How many uh, hours is this in now? Uh about seven or thereabouts. Like I was oh. well into it and I was just like, oh no. And I, was like, pulled in. I was about to cry. I had no phone reception. I think I had a 3310 on me at the time, the old Nokia. Yeah. Uh, so I couldn't call on my mate to come pick me up or anything like that. I'm like, I have to get over this hill. I pulled in a little tuck stop, got a couple of cokes, a couple of Mars bars, got them down and just crawled to the top of it. Managed to descend back down. I think I got about 7,000 meters of climbing or something for the oh day. Oh, my gosh. And I get home. My mate's like, oh, mate, it's your birthday. I got you some cake. So, all I had was a bit of cake um, for my recovery afterwards. I was so fried. I remember <laughs> brushing my teeth that night. My hands cramped on the toothbrush. I'm having to peel it away with my other hand. <laughs> like just a broken man. But uh, my race one was uh, I was trying to make national team with uh, like the world's team under 23. We went to tour of... Uh, I think it was two of Slovakia going along. Um, first day went okay. Next day, line up. We head out. and I'm like, oh, don't feel all that well in the guts. Like, mm-hmm. This is not good. And I've been doing well in the lead-up race and thought, I'm a shoo-in for the worlds, but just got to get through this one. And uh, hit the first climb. I'm straight out the back on my own. I'm like, oh, well, there's something really not right here. Keep riding along. I'm out the back, maybe 150K stage. Yeah, just like, no, I've got to keep going. Got to keep going. Got Brian Stevens in the car. Like, Got to impress him. Pushing on, pushing on, pushing on. I'm so far out the back. I've got locals jumping in, Give me a few turns. (laughs) I'm just like, oh, just not so well in the guts. All of a sudden, about 30k to go, I've got to stop. Done the run up in the bush. Yeah. uh, Had to relieve myself. Number two, uh, yeah. Yeah, got the uh, the sag wagon still there. Stopped waiting for me. Just like waiting, waiting. Had to use a sock, run back, got back on the bike. Then uh, this guy's like, oh, you, you hold on for a second. So he's like boosted me along in the sag wagon. We've got to finish laps. Six finishing laps oh, around the no. town. I... Team's already finished. They've sprinted past as I'm going in for first lap. I've had to then, like, truck around six laps just a broken man with our whole team all packed up on the side of the road just watching <laughs> me doing laps. I made a uh, time cut by – You I made think, it still? Yeah, yeah, I made it by a minute. Yeah, thanks to the sag wagon pull. And then I've got off. I'm like, thank God, like, at least now, tomorrow's day, like, I'll be better and then, like, I can uh, make my spot in Worlds. And then Brino, the uh, DS, comes up and goes, oh – you're gonna be good to go tomorrow. I'm like, yeah, mate, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll be good. And he's like, ah, oh, I didn't expect you to say i have already booked your flight back to Italy. <laughs> <laughs> and it turned out um, Bobridge was there, and he'd come unstuck as well. on the day, he just jumped in the team car, same oh, issue. But yeah, um, yeah I was, uh, I was devastated. But anyway, oh my
1: gosh. Made it. did you make worlds? Yeah, yeah, I did. I, I get to do it. Oh my gosh, I'm glad you told the second story there. Um, all right, about you, BWS, beer, wine or spirits. Circumstantial. I, I wouldn't
0: say spirits, but uh, definitely well, we're having a delicious beer right now. Um, I'd say socially love catching up with a mate for a beer. Um, any sort of dinner or anything like that, definitely red wine. Red wine's always been my go-to, but um, beer's coming a bit more. I'm not going to go down and meet you at the local pub for a, a cheeky red wine, mate. It just doesn't feel right. So what is it? I would think I'd go red wine if I had to give up everything, but um, yeah, it's very difficult to... was well, uh, well, a
1: big call because like every day, just say you want to have a cleanser, it'd just be like... Oh, just opening a bottle of red, straight <laughs> just in a, a hot chippy Chilled <laughs> yeah. Children. So yeah, I think.
0: Oh, geez, that's a that's a good call. Now I've uh, started dabbling a lot more on the beer game, and uh, a bunch of my mates
1: and I would treat it like a. See the beer, you can go all levels. You can still you know, you can have a cleanser when you get home from work, hot day, but also in the winter, you can you can pull out a porter if you want get something heavy.
0: Going the stout. I think um, the craft beer scene in Melbourne's really taken off, and a bunch of mates and I love it, and it's like a. Almost like a game of Pokemon where you want to collect them all. Every time there's a new one out, we want to get it and share it. And uh, not
1: relating to that. No, nah,
0: nah, you've you got to get on it, mate. It's expensive habit, but it's... Uh, the Pokemon yes. I'm not relating oh, to. Oh, nah. no. Well, sorry, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think overall, let's go... Uh, you maybe you swayed me then. Maybe we'll go on yes, the beer train. Yes, well
1: done. What coffee do you drink? None.
0: I... Uh, Love a bit of cafe, mate, but I couldn't get a coffee down if you paid me. Never been able to drink it. That's probably why I never made it to top level. To be fair, <laughs> um, I'm a tea man. Favorite cross training exercise? Do you have one? Uh no, nah, not really. It's um, all said- riding. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. I think I, I fit any uh, spare units in with with cycling. Like I might do a little bit of. Uh- Actually, I did a landscaping project at their house and um had to pull up a whole bunch of stuff. So maybe a bit of. Uh- Landscaping action or um yeah, mainly just be a little jog here and there, but or just walking. I enjoy I really enjoy a good uh long walk with uh my wife and son. So uh
1: I'd probably say it's not cross training, but walking. that's walking. Oh wow, well that's different. Yeah, yeah, walking you, you should try it. It's Love amazing. It. You should use your feet and just get it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's in the headphones? When you got the headphones in, I'm sure well, I don't know. Do you ride with headphones? Yes. And yep. what's in the headphones when you're riding?
0: Um been Cruising Along podcasts. Um, got to get your Life in the Peloton hit or uh, Mm. there's a few others I've been listening to which are really good and um, not cycling related necessarily but then uh, any sort of hard riding music um, play a bit of Russian roulette go and shuffle and just see what pops up a lot of the time yeah definitely headphones in if I'm solo um, but usually I try to find a buddy to ride with and have a bit of catch up
1: lastly mate it's a question that you know very well from listening on the pod what's the best thing about riding a bike for you why are you still riding a bike after all these years you know You're out there smashing yourself, doing still 25-hour weeks consistently. Why do you love riding a bike? For the kudos. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think uh, it's a massive social part as well.
0: I've got a lot of friends that ride. um, So, just catching up with buddies is really, really good. You get to go wherever you want. Um, But I think for me, it's almost become like a, a... a hit like you know when you go a ride have a really hard ride you feel good i come home i'm up and about really energized where um people don't actually believe me when i say it but if i don't exercise like this morning i didn't get out for a ride had a early meeting and then i just turned into this mm. sluggish rubbish version of myself totally. i just think it just that hit that gives me i'm up and about i'm a far better father worker everything when uh, i've uh, had my ride because it gives me a lot of joy get to see the world um, and I think I was very, very lucky that I got to do a lot of traveling even not necessarily at the top level but the amount of countries that I've been to thanks to my bike. Yeah, it's just something I've always loved doing and it's something mm. you can do where I can ride with you when you're going and racing world tour. I can ride with my dad when he's trying to go mm. ride with his buddies. He's uh, just one of those real equalizers that I don't think any other sport really has. You can't go and hit a, uh, a ball with Roger Federer that I can go and, if I wanted to, I could go for a ride in Monaco with uh, Podgecar and jump in. Mm. You're on the same training roads. Um, and it's a really amazing sport like that, that it sort of, I guess, equalizes everyone. We're mm. all out there together on the same roads. Just some um, do it a lot faster than others.
1: Awesome, mate. Well, um, thanks for being on Talking Loft. Thanks for having me, mate. It's been, uh, been a long time.
0: And I'm very excited for you to have me. Thank you.
1: Well, there we go. A bit of talking, loft, as always. Always enjoyed over a cold beer at the infamous Iron Bar. This time, I'm on the cusp of heading up to Reef to Reef. It's a mountain bike series. I'm doing it with the young Australian Holly Harris. We're pairing together in the mixed pairs. We're going to attack the mountain biking. She's going to leave me for dead. But that is what I'm going to try and document next week while I'm up there. Have a chat to Holly as well, and bring you that episode next week. So, guys. Thanks very much for listening. I want to say thanks to Lara behind the scenes who's helping me put this podcast together for you guys. Will Jones who pieces these episodes together. But of course Rafa who's not only clothing me this year, you guys out there as well, but helping me put the podcast together and create this great content to help us all fall in love with cycling. Guys, until next week, cheers. The music in this episode was composed by Pete Shelley. Cheers, mate.